0: from proverbs and chapter four and it's the wise instruction of a father to a son it's a couple of verses he says listen my son that could be my daughter as well to a father's instruction pay attention and gain understanding i give you sound learning so do not forsake my teaching the word of god is of vital importance to us. And if a father is to be wise and have good character and be of good judgment, of course, he must be guided by God's word. Uh, It was obvious as I've joined you over these weeks that uh, Paul has put a a much larger emphasis on uh, the reading of the word of God. And I just mentioned that to him. And he wanted to encourage you all to be
1: Uh, keen students of God's Word to read the Word of God more. Is that right, Paul? It is. Okay, so what I want to do today is I just want to speak
0: about the Word of God. I just want to encourage you and inspire you regarding the Word of God. Over the centuries, many, many books have been written and placed into the literary world and they have affected many people in in many different ways. I suppose late we might think over the last few hundred years, although Shakespeare was before that, some of the greatest works that have been written, the work of Shakespeare, all the plays that he wrote, how they've influenced and fashioned and formed the English-speaking people, a great influence on them. Then we can think of other books, maybe um, Tolstoy's book, War and Peace, this is supposed to be the greatest novel that's ever been written. I must admit, I haven't read it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched uh, film film versions of it. Well, I've never actually read it myself. But there's many wonderful books, isn't there, that have caused us to think differently, that have changed our lives, that have fashioned us. Books by Charles Dickens or John, James Joyce or George Orwell or... C.S. Lewis, many, many, hundreds and hundreds of authors, especially in the last hundred years or so. From the millions of books that have been published and preserved over the years, of course, there's one book that stands head and shoulders above all the others. It sort of stands alone. And, of course, we know what book that is. It's this book. It's the book that we as Christians, want to possess, we want to own. Uh, if you've been a Christian some time, you've probably got more than one copy, different versions or, or maybe modern translations, older translations. And we, we value and, and treasure this book so much. Let me just give you a few statistics about this book. Uh, generally, no. It is the best-selling book in the world, and always has been. It's estimated about five billion copies. Billion, I said, five billion copies of this book has been sold. Over 100 million copies are sold every year of this book. It has been translated into f- over 500 different languages now. I know there aren't 500 countries, but many countries have a whole variety of languages in them, and so some countries have their Bible in all the languages of that country. When I talk about translations, Shakespeare, that we've already mentioned, was a very popular, it's been around a long time. There's only 60 translations into other languages of Shakespeare, so you can see 500 how much the Bible exceeds all other books there are regarding translation. The largest producer of the Bible, this might surprise you, are the Chinese. The Chinese print more Bibles than any other country in the world. They're reputed to have printed already 100 million copies of the Bible. It's in fact the most stolen book, and uh, stolen probably from hotels and churches, but we don't mind that, do we? Mind if someone steals a Bible, uh, we shouldn't approve of stealing, but if they steal there and they read it, well, praise God for that. Amen. It also,
1: a copy of the Bible is the most expensive book in the world. Uh, It was
0: the first book that was uh, printed in America. It was called the Bay Psalms Book, written by the Puritans, and it sold for 14 million dollars. So this book, whichever way you look at the book, the Bible, the it stands head and shoulders above and Robbie, every like other Robbie book in the movie. world. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know much in. about Kindle. I haven't got Kindle because mm-hmm. uh, I like reading uh, words on a page. In the media, but you know. apparently it's the top highlighted book. The Bible is the top highlighted book in Kindle. Of course, the Bible is much more than simply uh, words. More than that the Bible is what we call scripture it is sacred writings that's what that means the
1: author of it is no one less than God himself so this
0: book is not like any other book its author is God himself and there can be great authors but this book is authored by God himself Or to look at the the strange uniqueness of the Bible that other books can't claim, as the Bible does. Number one, the Bible is supernatural in its origin. It's eternal in its duration. It says that this word will never pass away. The words that God speak go on for eternity, and this is the spoken word of God recorded for us. It's perfect in its revelation. Everything that God has said will come to pass, will come to pass. Everything recorded in this book. It's infinite in its scope. It covers just about every subject in the world. Nothing is left outside of the scope of Scripture. It's regenerative in its power. Most of us this morning were born again because of this book, the power that came from the words printed on that page. It's infallible in its authority. It's universal in its interest. Every nation, every culture, every people enjoy reading this book. It's personal in its application. Sometimes when you read it, you think that God's speaking directly to you from the pages of the book. It's it's so personal and it's inspirational In totality, you'll only know its uniqueness, its power, if you read it thoroughly. If you write it down or write passages of it down, if you pray into yourself, if you work it out of yourself, and if you pass it on, then you will know the full power of its uniqueness. Truly, it is the Word of God that brings into every man and woman the personality of God. As you read this book, God's personality comes into you. It enters you. It changes us. We become what the Word of God says. We become living epistles. It so enters into us that people can read us. They can actually read the Bible and what the Bible is saying. By reading our lives, we become living epistles. The Bible says it transforms our mind, our way of thinking about things. It changes our character, the goodness of us. It changes us somehow internally as we read it. It takes us from grace to grace, and it gives us the inheritance of the Holy Spirit of God. It says through reading the scripture god comes into us it says that god dwells with us In Romans 16 28, he says, This the prophetic writings by the command of eternal God. There are 17 books of the prophets in the Old Testament, and it says they're prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. Sometimes I don't find the reading of the prophetic books easy, uh, maybe I don't understand enough, but as I I press on through. I know that God has has commanded that these prophets speak these words. They're the commanded word of God. In 2 Peter 3 and 16, Peter refers to Paul's letters as scripture. His letters contain things that are hard to understand, Peter says, as they do other scriptures. He says that scriptures are hard to understand. And the things that Paul has written are hard to understand. And as we persevere, as we as we cling to this book, as we continue to read this book, what is a mystery becomes a revelation to us. Sometimes we have to dig, dig, dig into the book to, to fathom out what it's teaching us. We have to listen to teachers and read others who have, who have been revealed things. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it tells us that all scripture... Is God-breathed. It is the breath of God. It's useful to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to train us that we become righteous men and women of God. I said before, it's an uh, an inexpressible companion. The word of God is, is like a friend to us. It speaks to us like a friend speaks. It encourages us. It helps us in our thought processes. It corrects us like a good friend would. Sometimes it makes us cry. As you sit and read the Bible, have you sometimes cried over certain things that you've read? Sometimes it makes you laugh. Things just strike you as quite comical. Some of the responses of Jesus or Paul, you think, well, that strikes me as comical. It visits us when we're asleep. It wakes us in the morning. It sort of fits us. Uh, Maybe I'm speaking more to uh, the gentlemen than the ladies. It fits us like an old coat, you know what I mean? You get so used, the coat actually looks like you. It's got your shape. You've pulled it around you so many times. And the word of God can fit you. It just fits you like something's snug and tight comes one with us. It is as though it has personality. The very personality of God put onto these pictures, onto these pages. How does the scripture affect? It's the people that it writes about. How did the scriptures affect the very people who wrote this book or that it was written about? I've got several illustrations for you. I want to read to you some verses from Joshua chapter 1. See what Joshua says from Joshua 1 and verse 6. It says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Then the next verse, he said, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous, and successful. He says, I want you to be strong and courageous, Joshua. You're my general. You are going to lead these people, the people of mine, these, well, up to now, these quite rebellious, stubborn people. You're to lead them into completely new territory. You're going to have to be strong and courageous. Then he says, you're going to have to be strong and very courageous. And then he gives him the secret of strength and character he needs the strength and character of god and he says to him do not let this book the one that we hold the very same book that you have in your hands today or is on your bookshelf next to your bed wherever you put it he says do not let the book of the lord depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night of course, the book that Joshua had was not as full as ours. There was only the first five books of the Bible that he held. The Torah. The book of the law, it's called. But there was more than just rules and regulations. God himself, from the first five books of the Bible, he was speaking. I thought, you know, if if the if the bible was just a book of rules and regulations we wouldn't read it more than a couple of times i mean i was told once when i was learning to drive i was to read the highway code so i read it i probably read it a couple of times so i could pass the exam when the man asked me some questions about it that was the time before it was all on screen and we have to answer it that way more technically But we wouldn't read books of the law. We wouldn't read rules and regulations. And, of course, the Torah, the first five books, are not just books of rules and regulations. They contain who
1: God is. So he was saying to Joshua, read those five
0: books, Joshua, and what will happen to you that I, with my strength and my courage, I will come upon you as you read it, as you constantly read it, as you meditate upon it, as you think about the things that I've said and who I am, somehow in some miraculous way, a mystery as it were, the word of God comes upon us. It transforms us and changes us like no other book in some sort of supernatural way. It changes our heads, the way we think, and it changes our hearts, the things that we believe. And then my my second person I thought, of moving on from Joshua, was King David. Of course, King David gave us the Psalms. He gave us about half of the Psalms. I want to read to you a portion from one of his Psalms, 119. Psalm 119 and verses 9 to 16. This is what he says about the word of God. This same Torah that Joshua was speaking about, this same book that you hold in your hands, he said how can a young man keep his ways pure by living according to your word he said i seek you with all my heart do not let me stray from your commands don't let me stray from your book i have hidden your words in my heart that i might not sin against you praise be to you lord teach me your decrees With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. It seems that David, as he's he's poetic i understand that he's a very passionate sort of a guy and he's written a psalm here a song a poem unto the lord but he seems to say i love i love your word i, I love this i love the book of the law i love this, the Torah. i love it well i don't think you can fall in love with the book please understand me you don't fall in love with the book per se would you fall in love with what is contained within the book who is contained within the book and he finds that in the book as he reads he finds what an expression that i've to, the totality of god not that god can be pushed into a book but everything that god is is contained in the book everything that god wants to say to us is in the book all of his desires and his his passion is, for us, laid inside the book. You can't put God in a book. Of course you can't. It fills the whole universe. But there is a something of the totality of God between the covers of that book. Another example I have is, is that of Solomon. Remember, I started just reading you those couple of verses from Solomon 4. Let me read you a few more now from what Solomon said about the words of God, the wisdom of God. He said, listen, my son, my daughter, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teachings. When I was a
1: boy in my father's house, still tender, and an only child of my mother, he
0: taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you.
1: Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace
0: her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head, and present you with a crown of splendor listen my son my daughter accept what I say and the years of your life will be many I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths there he's saying he's saying listen listen he says listen to this word pay attention do not forsake it he says lay hold of it do not forget it get get wisdom. And then it seems to say that this the way to lay hold of is a person. He he calls her a she. He says esteem her. Embrace her. Hold on to her. She will protect you. She will watch over you as though it's a person. Of course it's the person of God who does all these things. We
1: are to love the book, as though it is the personality of
0: God himself ministering to us, Amen. the wisdom of God that comes the pages. I thought
1: I'd better go to a New Testament example as well about what an author thought
0: or what was written about it. They're all Old Testament examples, but there's one for us. Uh, there's more, I'm sure, uh, but in Acts chapter eight, He speaks uh, to
1: the Ethiopian, uh, he's called the eunuch, he's an Ethiopian, he
0: works for the queen of Ethiopia, he's her treasurer. Um, Philip has been on a crusade in Samaria, and God speaks to him at the end of this crusade and says, I'm going to transport you, as it were, to a particular road, the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, and I will set you down there. And you'll find a man there who's in his chariot reading the scrolls. And so he finds himself there by the side of this chariot. And the man is reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And Philip moves up to him and he says, do you understand what you're reading from the scroll, from the book of Isaiah? He's reading actually Isaiah 53. And he goes, well, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? So let's pick this up in Acts chapter 8 from verse 32. It says, The eunuch, the Ethiopian, was reading this passage of scripture. This is what he was reading from Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, we know as Christians who Isaiah is talking about, we know he's talking about Jesus Christ himself, the suffering servant. But this is how it goes on. The unit asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Listen to Philip's response. Then Philip began With this very passage of scripture and told him the good news about jesus he says he starts from this passage of scripture it wasn't just some something written on a scroll black letters on a white sheet it was more than that the the mind the very purposes the prophecies of god the word of god was put onto this piece of paper this parchment and he says he started to explain the scripture to him the sacred writings to him the very word of god to him and in the explanation that philip gave him somehow the word and the spirit came together and regenerated this man's life He was born again at that moment through Philip's ministry from the word of God, the scripture. See, the scripture has the ability to regenerate, to give us new life. And so he goes on to say, then what can I do? Let's get baptized. Let's follow the the, the scriptures through. My last example, of course, is uh, that of Jesus Christ himself. You'll remember that following his baptism, he was led of the Spirit, he says, into the wilderness, where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then at the end of the time, Satan, and I believe it was Satan himself, came to Jesus and tempted him. He tempted him uh, to to do what he wanted him to do, very similar to what he did in the garden with Eve and Adam, tempting them to do what he wanted them to do. Because Jesus' response is always the same. He didn't say, Go away from me, do you realize who you're talking to? I'm the Son of God, I'm not going to fall for your tricks. He never said that. He said, It is written. He said he said the answer is here. This is the truth. This is the thing that will send Satan packing and so he responded with the word of god he knew the word of god the word of god was vital and important to him not just words on the page but they have power within them the words have power and life jesus said my words are spirit and life they're truth so this morning we've said that the book can give us strength and courage as it did in the case of Joshua David said it's a book that will keep you pure in your heart a book that will make you understanding and wise Solomon told us the book that can cause you to start life again your life can be regenerated like it was in the case of the
1: Ethiopian eunuch and finally Jesus says this
0: is a book These are the words that will defeat Satan. It's here. It's all here. Now, you can understand why the devil doesn't want us to read it. He wants us to have it, but keep it shut. The longer we keep it shut, we don't read it, the happier the devil is. Because he knows as soon as we open it, and God has the opportunity to speak to us, to regenerate us, to put his courage into us, to to grow our faith, all these things. He is on slippery ground. So I want to encourage you, just as Paul has been encouraging you to read the Word of God. Read it. You can't read too much of it. Read it. Read about the love of God. Have the power of God come into you. Walk in the authority of God's Word. This is a treasure that we hold in our hands. Of all the material things in the world, this is the most valuable thing that you possess in your house. Now, it's not valuable in the sense that it was relatively cheap to buy, and thank God for that, but it is cheap. But what is contained in it has more value than anything else that you possess. So I want to encourage you to read and read
1: more Understand more, write it, and let it get on the very inside of you and change you. God bless you all. It's lovely being with you again. Over to you, Paul. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Phil. Thank you for the blessing of the word. And before you sit down, I would like you to pray for this grace upon God's people. You know our human nature.
0: We can of ourselves do nothing unless the Lord enables us, unless he puts that desire, that love, For his word in us. I just want you to pray by the grace and the anointing of God that is upon you.